0: Hello put oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Stop talking. Let me pause and center.
1: Okay.
0: Jeez, this is gonna be trouble, Jace. <laughs> right. Hi and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42 the podcast from the guys behind the guitar show UK. Um Legrand from Arch from the guitar show Jason Hunt is in front of me on screen. How are you Jace? I'm very good Ant. How are you? Do you know what I've had a hell of a day. Um and it's no excuse but it's been a, a bit of a pain so I'm not going to get into it but in in it for myself I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Good. How's your day been?
2: My my day's been Great, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry to rub it in, but I've had a very guitar-y day. Um, I'm quite happy to share my guitar day with you.
0: Sh- should we introduce our guest first? So and our Maybe guest you can was,
2: chip in on the guitar-y well, day.
0: And, and so he doesn't feel left out in the cold, because I've yeah. already insulted him two or three times, so, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's probably... already feeling unloved. <laughs> because <laughs> I cause I thought he built amps. So and it turns out turns out he doesn't. Well, no, so, we should
2: explain that. This was supposed to be Chris from Rift Amps tonight. Yeah. And at half past 4 today, I was stood in the queue to outside to get into Specsavers with my youngest daughter. Right. And Chris phoned me and went I've got no internet connection. I was like, "Oh, Chris, this goes out on Monday." And he was like, yeah. I said, well, how about the weekend? You yeah, know, I'm not sure I'm going to have any internet connection then. Right. <laughs> I And then I got called into Specsavers. So we went in. And when I came back out, sort of like 45 minutes later or whatever, I got just got this text that said, um, would Ainsley be good? He's happy to step in. And I'm like, to be honest, I'd rather talk to Ainsley than Chris. Uh, it's far more interesting. So it's worked out
0: really well.
1: I thought, I, th- I thought you were just going to say... Well, I'd much rather talk to you, but if Ainsley's all that's available, he will do. <laughs>
0: well, well, well here's, here's the thing. So already I've insulted Ainsley three or four times and he's looked at me as if I literally have, you know, I, 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 I have no right to actually be on the planet. Um, but so our guest tonight is, is Ainsley Lister who is a singer-songwriter and musician. And by his own rating, this is not our rating, because I'm not even convinced we agree with this rating, but by his rating, he's a five and a half out of ten.
2: Yeah. Um, Which would then put the rest of us at about minus four. uh, So I don't know if that's a five and a half out of ten as a musician or a five and a half out of ten as a singer-songwriter. I'll tell you what, I was listening to... um, I was scrolling through your Facebook earlier... And um, I was listening to your cover of Give Me Something Good by Ryan Adams. Right, yeah. I'm a massive Ryan Adams fan. I'm not sure whether we're allowed to say that at the moment anymore or or whether because he said, sorry, we're now allowed to like him again. But I've been a huge Ryan Ryan Adams fan for 20 years. And you did a cracking version of that song. Thank you.
1: Well, Uh, it it was a lockdown thing because, obviously, we were all stuck at home. I was supposed to be going... Uh, into the studio and then on tour right when the lockdown happened. So you know, I was just bored at home talking to some friends and a, f- a few of my musicians. basically all my friends. We're all musicians, you know, for want of a better word, loosely speaking. And are a you few- all
0: five and a halfs, so, or <laughs> or some or some of them, or, or do you know what to say? <laughs> I can't really say. All oh, right. Most of Ainsley's friends aren't five and a half by Ainsley's rating standard. Just just putting it out there.
1: Well, they you know, there's a few a few of my mates and they were doing these kind of lockdown collaboration videos where everybody records their parts independently at home and then one person kind of compiles a video and mixes everything. And I saw a few. I thought, Oh, that's really, really cool. But I'm not very, very good with all that sort of thing. And I just got talking to a, one of my friends who was doing it, he said, oh, do, do you fancy doing one? I said, oh, yeah, but I wouldn't know. I have a clue how to do it. He says, oh, don't worry. He says, you just record your parts and film yourself doing it. Send it to us and we'll we'll do the rest. And um, they said, oh, you know, just pick a song. And I couldn't think of a song to do because I didn't want to do one of mine. Mm. Um, they said it's better to do a cover song. And same same as you, Jace. I've, I've, I've been a, a fan of Ryan's music for a long time and that song was actually... Um, give me something good it was the first song i ever heard i was like i think i was at a sound check at a gig up north in the uk and it the, the engineer was playing it in the sound check i said what is that who is that he said oh, it's this guy called ryan adams i thought he said brian adams at first sure <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened before <laughs> and, and so that song was the one that got me into ryan's music and it was just the first cover i thought i thought yeah we could do that Um so yeah, it was just a bit of fun over lockdown, and we thought we'd put it out on YouTube and all that. And uh, it got a really good response, actually. It was good fun.
0: I, I must admit, yes. I'm a Ryan Adams fan as well, but then I was a huge Whiskey Town fan. So uh, I go back to <laughs> to, 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 the, to the band before and was a, a huge Whiskey Town fan. So uh it s- there for me. I would
2: say, I, um, it, Waiting to Derail um, is a book written by his tour manager. Um, right. When he was leaving Town before he went solo. Uh, right. And this tour manager obviously bit, was on the road with him the whole time. It's a fantastic read because he did like to go off the rails quite a lot. So it makes it a really good, fun read as a music biography.
1: Oh, right. I'd love to, to check that out. I mean, to be honest, I don't really know much about him. I just, I'm just heard a few of his songs. I thought, that's cool. Um, so just from a musical perspective, I've got a few friends who've been to see him live and say, you know, from one tour to the next he's like a different artist he complete yeah. almost like reinvents himself uh, yeah. or whatever but
0: if you've not heard stranger's almanac by whiskey town you absolutely should it is one of the greatest albums ever recorded um you know it's absolutely in my top 10 without actual so so and, and a recommendation for anybody out there if you've not listened to stranger's almanac you should because it's brilliant and and I'm sure jace will nod and say that it's a a, a very very it's, very it, good album it's an yeah. exceptional <laughs> album i love it <laughs> Uh, so, Jase, your day—you were going to get back onto your day because you had a guitar day, and we were all going to pitch in. Yeah, okay. So the first thing is, um,
2: uh, I—I'm I, um, not a strat player. We've—we've we've had this discussion. Obviously, Ainsley is, and the reason why I'm not a strat player, more than anything, is I don't understand what the bridge pickups for. Really, just it's just rubbish, right? Just doesn't work for me at no. all, and I've had loads of strats over the years, and oh. I, I, you know, the further down the body you get on the pickups, the happier I am on a strat,
0: <laughs> and, um, and and it was really. And I thought wild. I thought that was in life. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there,
2: um, um, but, <laughs> but but so. I um, I was doing some research about uh, a month ago on how terrible Strat pickups are. And there's huge forum threads about how terrible bridge pickups on a Strat are. And um, I came across this guy um, in the States, uh, Magneto pickups, right. that do a P90 in a uh-huh. single coil Strat size. Right. So I bought one and it got fitted today and it sounds awesome All I thought you were gonna, I, I actually thought brilliance. you were going to say awful
1: no no it sounds awesome it's right. really
2: fat and like everything that a p90 is clearly not a p90 because obviously it's a, you know it's still a strat size sort of thing and I have no idea what the magic is behind it but apparently it's got a really strong magnet in it um and and I I'm for the first time happy with the bridge pickup
0: on a strat <laughs> I'm just going to reach over, which means that my voice has dropped a bit off the mic, and and say that Maistra has a Seymour Duncan, you know, stacked humbucker. Yeah, see,
2: because they're rubbish. You've got to change
0: them. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> well,
0: now, I, I to be fair, I'm working towards getting rid of that, but I still want something that's got a bit more umph. I just don't want something quite as industrial. Not industrial, but it's a bit too hot. If I'm being honest. Right. Um, so I kind of know what you mean. But, but is going to disagree with
1: both of us. Yeah, I know, well, because
0: he, he looks really confused yes, at the things yes, that I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> He's not happy, is he? We've pissed off our guest. No, 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 no. In, no, in my no, case, no, for the second no, time. No,
1: no, 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 no. No, what it is, I, okay, so I, my main guitar that I play, I play Strats. And I'm actually looking now, I've got just behind my computer screen, there's six of them and they're all slightly different cuz they're all a little bit different aren't they. Yeah. Um but I always I always go for a, a hotter pickup in the bridge. Uh but it it depends what you're trying to make. If you're trying to get it to sound like a Les Paul, then it's not going to do it, is no. it? No. No. But but I always go for something a bit overwound or a bit fatter. But if you go for, I mean I've tried a lot of pickups. I I'd, I'd say a Strat is probably the guitar where I've swapped pickups out the most. I mean I've got one Strat I must have put and this is no exaggeration i've put about 12 different sets of pickups in trying to find the right ones Mm. because i am actually so far down the rabbit hole i mean there are people that are further down than me i'm aware of this but i've i've tried all this stuff and i've realized that and i've tried so many different brands and wines and all this sort of stuff but yeah a fat bridge pickup in a strat is what i like um so but you can get good ones they're not all it's like I. So what you were saying, Jason, about like with a strat, you don't know what to do with that. I'm the same. If I pick a Telecaster up, a mm. Telecaster for me is either too woolly and indistinct on the neck. I don't like that in-between position thing that tellies do, and the bridge pickup is too thin. So when I'm playing a Tele, if I'm playing it acoustically, I quite like it. As soon as I plug it in, I don't know where to set it. It's mm. just like I, I'm. I'm never happy. Whereas with a strat, I find I, I can find. I'm normally on either the neck pickup, the bridge, which you hate, or the number four position.
2: Yeah, see, I really like four and five. Love them. Yeah. Mm. But one. But now, now I've got this weird P90 hybrid sort of thing. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. So that was one of my guitar things today.
0: Right, okay. Just Just, just while we're on the telly thing, and (laughs) and, and and, and the bridge pickup on a telly, When you listen to somebody who can really do that kind of country chicken picking thing well, that sound does actually work for that. It does work. With all the double stops and all the what have you, it does actually play into.
1: It does. And I think maybe it's because my style of playing is not like that. I'm kind of. I like a bit of over. You know, I suppose as a reference sound, like think of Billy Gibbons, like Lagrange or something like that. It's like. That sort of like bridge pickup of a Les Paul or a bit brighter or whatever, but the telly for me is just it's too shrill. No, but for, no, for, but like, I... the, the chicken picking thing it works really well. Uh, yeah, if it, you but... can do that, yeah. particularly
0: with that slight muting thing that they do with the fingers as well, um, yeah, you know, then, then it does, it does that sound does work. But I agree with you, I don't know, I don't, I can't make that pickup on a telly sound like anything for yeah. me. It just sounds, it just it's thin and weedy, and I can't make it. But that's the only style I think. For me, that's the only style that I think works.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know,
0: I am quite happy to listen to Albert Lee. You know, with a with a telly in that position, just doing his thing.
1: Yeah, um, you know, quite the, happy with that, or, or the, any the, of those guys. The only telly I've ever tried um, where I liked it is it was a really dark, thick sounding telly, and it sounded like it had humbuckers in it. It sounded like yeah. it had P 90s and it? It, it was quite. It didn't have that kind of zingy top end, and that's the only telly I've ever played. That I liked, and it was an old one, and it was mm. a fortune. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, uh, it basically stayed where it was. It didn't come home with me. But um yeah. so, actually, we are
0: for the record, and for the moment, we're all kind of in agreement. So that's 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 a first. Mm. Yeah. Um So go on, then, give us the rest of your day. So,
2: um uh, and I'm going to have to move away from the mic. All right. Okay. But bear with me. So. Um,
0: Right, okay. This arrived. um, Uh, Oh, it did, did it? (laughs) It
2: just arrived? Well, actually, it was just refinished. Um, Ah. So it's actually a a Greco. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, wow. Is it one of those super real things?
2: Yeah, 1981. Ah. Awesome. And um, I sent it over to um, John at Rexter. And it got that, um, is it called tomato soup finish? That's like, uh, you know, the really red cherry burst. Mm. And it wasn't blended particularly well. Right. Um, so I got to, to refinish it. I sent him um, pictures of Keith Richards, 59, list Paul and said, can you do it like that? And whilst right. you can't see this on Zoom, it is all lacquer checked and, and everything. It's done awesome. a cracking job. Mm. Sounds amazing. Literally. Yeah, yeah, literally. So so
0: that's happened as well. Are you not right. going to
1: give us a tune? Are you not going to, like, plug it in and give us some... No. Some... <laughs> no. Why not?
0: Because we're building the, our audience at the moment. We're in a phase yeah. oh, of build. Right. OK. That's the, right. that's the idea. So okay. that's happened as well.
2: And then... Well,
0: you've this... got a third guitar story.
2: Yeah.
0: I bet you're really pleased you agreed to be the guest tonight, Aze, not <laughs> you? I mean, we're not, not going to get to you at all. And then this, Charvel, Charvel Dimas. Wow. Wow.
2: Wow. I've never had, I'm 50 years old and I've never had a Floyd before, and I thought, I probably should try one. Why? why? I, well, I don't know why. <laughs> um, it's got a lovely neck on it, though, I have to say.
0: So what you've basically said is, I've never had a midlife crisis before, but I'm just about to have one. Oh no,
2: I've had loads of midlife crises. Right. This is just you know a continuation of one that started that at that least 10 like, years ago.
0: It sounds like a guitar midlife crisis. That's oh brilliant. my God, I've never had a Floyd.
2: <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just intrigued. It, it may stay, it may not, I don't know. But, um, so three, three guitar-y things today, um, oh, awesome. which has happened... Or by accident, on the same day.
0: Right. And there answers the question, which at the start seemed very simple. What was, how are you, Jason? Um, I'm great. 20 (laughs) minutes later. I just don't know what to play. Uh, well no no. I, I could make a suggestion uh, but I'm not going to so, so uh, we've already established that, that Ainsley is our guest for the evening and he's very very kindly jumped in literally at a moment's notice Yes.
1: Um,
0: and we've also established that actually I haven't got a clue about any of your work or what you've done in the past so I'm going to let Jace take the lead and I'm now just going to listen and, and be educated I think <laughs>
2: So I, I, I suppose the first question um, I wanted to ask was, um, on your website, it says your European tour is going ahead um, yeah. for next month. And I'm just kind of like, as an event organiser, I'm I, well, I'm going to an event um, in a week or so's time, which is like a right. B2B event, just to try and figure out how they're doing it. So right. how is the European want- tour happening?
1: Okay, so... The tour that I am about to do um, is um, it's in two legs. The first leg starts on the 2nd of October. Now, it's a tour that was actually booked probably about this time last year. And I was due to have recorded and had an album ready for release about now. But obviously, this year didn't go to plan. Well, about two months ago, following the lockdown, I started to get emails from the venues and they were saying well look are you going to do your tour and I said well are you going to be opening as a venue and it was kind of this thing they said well look at the moment we're just starting to like test the water by opening they were doing over the summer they were doing like open air events where they could so people could kind of distance and be safe and all that kind of thing the bottom line is that all the all the venues on the tour collectively there's probably about I think about 25 dates that I'm doing Across um, Germany, Holland, uh, Austria, and it ends in Switzerland. They're all all the venues are opening, and they want to do shows, but with a limited capacity. That's the thing. So, I mean, there's one venue like at the start of the tour. It normally holds its regular capacity is 450. They can only have 150 people in. So all the venues and the gigs are going ahead, but with limited. You know, the audience is going to be about a third of what it would be normally. And they've all got a distance and quite a few of them. That it's a strict seated kind of um, layout. Um, but they just, you know, so pretty much everybody I know, actually, I, was, I mean, I was actually I actually did my first gig since March last weekend. I actually flew to Germany last weekend and did two, um, two festivals. And I went with a friend of mine, Ben Paul, who's also another English kind of blues rock singer guitarist. And he said to me, he said, I can't believe you're going on, on tour. He says, everyone I know has cancelled. I've just cancelled mine. He says, you're the only one that's doing it. How are you doing Same question you just asked me. How are you doing it? And I just thought, well, for me, I've sat at home all year. I've been really, really bored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to go out. I want to go out and play. And if it's possible to do so, okay, albeit to a, a smaller audience, then I'll do it, and also it supports the venues. It means the venues can at least try and get everything moving. Because the thing is, if I wait until things go back to normal, well, when I, you know, it's, I don't think things will ever be like they were before. Um, certainly not for a few years at least. So, by having this chance to actually go and do a tour and play to less people, and it's going to be, you know, there's going to be regulations in place about keeping distance and wearing yeah. a face mask and stuff. But I thought, well, if I can go out and do it, I will. Because I kind of live and breathe for music. I, I really miss it. And I've never had longer than a couple of weeks, probably since I was about 15, where I've not done a gig. And I've, like I say, last weekend, is the first time i played since March. I've never had a break like that before. It's been the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah, it, so, has, uh,
2: it has been really bizarre. I was on your Facebook page, and I've seen you've been doing the, like, these little kind of like, Noodling short videos and stuff, but it's, it's not yeah. the same, is it? It's
1: Well, no, well, you know, you kind of just sat at home, just sat on a stool, noodling away in your own little world. And I, I mean, I did a couple of those online gigs where, you know, you stream it on Facebook. Anybody who's done it will tell you it's the weirdest thing. You're doing a gig, you're literally playing to your computer screen, but potentially there's thousands of people watching you live. Mm. And then you, when you finish the song, you get, like, you get like this massive influx of messages going, oh, great, oh, wonderful, oh, vocals are a bit loud, oh, turn your guitar up. <laughs> and, and it's kind of, that's, that's, your, that's your applause. And you, start, you sort of look at, see who's watching, and they, oh, so-and-so, hello. But it's the most weird thing in the world. So I did two, two or three of those. Just, I, I wanted to take part because, again, everyone was feeling fed up still are and I thought yeah. well you know music's really good for the soul isn't it you know to kind of lift spirits so um I thought if I can take part and be, you know help people have a slightly better day than they probably were having I thought I'll do it so excellent but there so, you go so yeah I'm going on tour uh, oh, I am going on tour <laughs>
2: I'm gonna <on> <laughs> <laughs> to catch up with you when you get back and find out how it went because uh yeah, yeah. I've had I had two two phone calls today about um people wanted to book the guitar show. yeah. And I'm like, the government haven't even said I can hold indoor events yet, so I'm kind of a bit stuck, but I'll gladly add you to the waiting list of people wanting to book.
0: Yeah. I have I have a bit of a technical question about your tour, actually. So, okay, is it all within one country,
1: or are you going to move from country to country? No, we're going to be going, um, start in Germany. Start in Germany, yeah. Then we go... So p- the first part is Northern Germany. Then we pop over to the, the Netherlands for a, one or two shows, then back to Germany, then Austria, and then Switzerland. Now, we were going to do a couple of shows in Czech. We're going to do Budapest as well and um, Bratislava, but that, all that Czech, you know, Slovakia stuff, that's all been pulled. Mm. So now we're going down to Austria a few days early. So it's, it's three or four countries. Um yeah, And it's and, he's kind and of here's the, the
0: technical question then. So, yeah. obviously, we've got used to what's going on with corridors and where you can go, and if you come back from somewhere, you have to isolate for a period of time. I take yeah. it you've got countries that at the moment have all got op- open corridors, so you can move in between...
1: At the moment, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, Germany, like I said, I flew out last Thursday, and I flew back into Heathrow on Sunday. So I was out there for a couple of days. Germany's on the safe list, so I was able to fly out, do the gig, come back, and I didn't have to isolate yeah. or anything. But at the moment, Switzerland, which uh, you do have to uh, quarantine when you come back from Switzerland. Fortunately, on my tour, it's the last four days of the tour where we're in Switzerland, so I'll do the tour and then I'll come back and just hide away. So So the next question would be, if you went
0: to somewhere on the tour that then turned out to be somewhere you had to quarantine, a la Switzerland, but the tour went on for two weeks after that, if that makes sense. So you were in so-and-so... Then yeah. you went to safe places, yeah. And then you came, you know. And then you came back. Would your quarantine period be classed as
1: the tour, if that makes sense? I mean, this is the risk I'm going to take. Yeah, you know. I mean, doing this tour, I, th- I think the reason that everybody else that I'm that I've spoken to, at least, has either pulled their tour or it's been pulled before they've had any choice in it, um, is because there are so many risky factors. Like, there's yeah. a lot, a lot of the Clubs that I play on the circuit that I work on, uh, they have a lot of American acts. And of course, for an American band to come over for six weeks, if they have a week or two pulled, then the whole thing just is pointless doing. So by me doing it, yeah, I'm I'm taking quite a big risk. But my, you know, I want to stay safe, you know, and all that kind of thing. But I also don't want to just sit and wait for the next two or three years while things go back to normal because I don't think they will. Certainly not. Me, you know it's going to be a long time so and like you say if you need to isolate when you come back that's fine isn't yeah. it if yeah prad- absolutely, you've made yeah. that
0: decision yeah
1: um
0: you know and i suppose in this instance if it still remains that switzerland's still part of that then you mm. might as well be at the end
1: yeah i mean who knows i mean the first part of the tour the first leg is it's 10 days from the second to the 12th i think of october and then we come back And then the second leg starts on, I think, the 2nd of November, right through to the 24th or something. Mm. Um, And by the time we get to that second leg in November, um, you know, next three or four weeks, things could have changed, you know, there could be spikes. Should I do it? Should I not do it? You know, that's a question I've been asking myself for the last few months. But, I mean, when I was thinking about it earlier in the year, when we were right in the middle of the lockdown, I was... In my head, I'd written the whole year off. I thought, "There's no way yeah. it's going to happen. There's no way it's going to. The venue's going to be open." But what it seems is that certainly Germany is all. It always seems to be a few months ahead of the UK. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when I was with Ben at the weekend, Ben, my mate Ben Paul, he said he's been trying to book a tour or sort a tour out for February, March next year in the UK, and he said it's a nightmare because venues are just not open. So. So in the UK we do seem to be a little bit behind in terms of the progress but you know who knows. Uh I don't know it's just one of those things we'll just have to see what happens. Um but there you go. So <laughs> I
2: was uh, I thought I'd um, I'd written talk, uh, talking about you being on tour I'd written some notes down uh, earlier and uh, this is for Ant mainly. Okay. Um <laughs> so I was I'd looked at the people that you toured with. Right. And I was genuinely blown away because you know I've known you for a couple of years, and I don't think I've ever spoken to you about it. But you've played with Buddy Guy, Walter Trout, John Mail, Robert Cray, Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty damn impressive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it, it I, is a it is a good
1: list.
2: It's an exceptional list. With Buddy Guy sat firmly at the top.
1: Yeah, he was awesome actually. He was he was really cool. Um, he was very, very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, all but, of the time? Um, well, I went into his dressing room to, like, say hello to him and, you know, kind of shake his hand. You know, that thing you do when you're a young young lad playing, and you get on a gig like that. I was like, oh, it's great to meet you, Mr Guy. <laughs> and he kind of just looked at me whilst filling a glass... Um, like a wine glass with um, I think it was Remy Martin or something and he just as I sat at the side of him he just like necked it like it was a can of or something just, and he was about to go on and I sat and I thought and I couldn't get any sense out of him and I thought this guy's c there's no way he can even stand and he kind of walked on he kind of hobbled on stage with his head down and it's almost like somebody had plugged plugged his his him into the mains and he kind of just looked up with his big smile and just went into buddy guy mode and just he just had the audience by the scruff of the neck from the minute he started and I've never seen I've ne- I'll never forget that it's the first time I ever saw him and I opened up for him that's probably when I started out probably about 20 years ago but I've just never seen anything like it. It was proper, like cool, you know, like you know the blues guy that's you know drunk and he's he's just done a load of whiskey and whatever else he's done, and then he walks on stage and he's just he's amazing, you know. But yeah, very very cool.
2: So what was what was touring with um, ZZ Top like?
1: Well, I didn't do a tour with ZZ Top. I mean, I could lie and say I did, but I, no, I, I I did just one show with them. Oh, uh, that right, okay. that that was in that was in Norway. About ten years ago, um, and it, the funniest part about that was that they all arrived in their separate limos. <laughs> 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 they, they, don't, they don't travel as a band. You would think see, there's only three of them, <laughs> and you know you see you, you know before that I you know I've always been to ZZ Talk. I'd seen documentaries where they, were, they all seem like best mates, mm. but no, when they're on the on the road, they all arrive separately and leave separately. They've all got their own like buses. And apparently, they all travel in their own nightliner so there's three nightliners that all get on the autumn part separately um but the show was amazing and they do all that kind of like the dancy thing where the guitar necks are swinging in and billy i mean it's not until you actually meet these people in person you you kind of look at them on telly or whatever and they're larger than life large. billy gibbons is about seven stone he's so skinny and yeah and um dusty hill the bass player He's about four foot three. He's tight. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably not four foot three, but he's tiny. I was stood at the side of him. I'm look. I was looking down. All right, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's just they're not. You kind of have this ideal of what people are going to be like, or I mean, you know, musically they were fantastic, they're really entertaining, and just just really cool, you know. But mm-hmm. it's never quite what you think it's going to be like in your head when you meet these people. It's, it's you know. Um, They're always
0: all smaller, aren't they? Yeah, they're always smaller than you think they're going to be. Have
2: I I told you my theory on this? No. No. so, So, you know, over the last 20 odd years, I've met loads of proper, you know, big, big stars sort of thing. And they're all, apart from Duff McKagan, tiny
1: yeah but you that's because you're massive you're about seven <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's you're about seven foot five right?
2: <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah I appreciate that but i i was at I was at a Krang Awards once, and Angus Young walked past the table that I was sat at, oh yeah, but he's a dwarf, and I was still taller than Angus, and I was sat down Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> um, oh wow. But you see, can I just if... thank you, Ainsley, because he's done that joke on this podcast before. But you laughed. He no. actually, is. Oh, right, okay. he didn't get. It. I don't think he got it right first time round. But second <laughs> time round, he's made a much better job of it. He's
1: been working on it. So yeah. um,
2: <laughs> my theory is that, um, like children, babies particularly, but young children are really cute because you've got that thing where they're born. Is it that your eyes don't change size as you grow? Right. So that's why all like hmm. puppies and babies have got big eyes, because your eyes are fully formed when you're born. Right. And and what really works is that with puppies and kittens and babies, is they've got disproportionately large heads to tiny bodies. And everybody goes, <laughs> oh, that's really cute. And then when you meet your Kylie Minogues or your Angus Youngs or your Dusty Hills, yeah. you go... Yeah, right, their proportions are that of a child, which makes them far more attractive, and therefore they look better in videos than a seven foot five giant that I am. For a start, the TV screen's only so big, right? So you're only going to get my knees or cut me off at the chest, whereas Angus fits perfectly on a TV
1: screen. And Do you imagine, think that's why he's done so well? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, have a, I have a slightly different theory in the fact that Angus looks like his own pop. So you know those little things that are all the rage at the moment, yeah. those little pop things? He He's the proportions of his own pop kind of doll yeah. or whatever they call it. pop or something yeah. Yeah, so so they're about this big, aren't they, with a with a with a great big head and he's See, he's it's the big head and the little bodies,
2: I'm not yeah. wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we weren't planning on trying to get Angus on here, were we? <laughs> no, no. I don't that's think Angus just, is gonna come on it. That's just gone, hasn't it?
2: Yeah. Of, uh, uh, and I'm a of... huge A C D C fan.
0: Because
1: you've called him a dwarf twice now. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna I, I was gonna I was gonna text him, I've got his number <laughs> in, <but> It's <laughs> too too late now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Dusty's not
0: coming <laughs> on anytime soon i uh, tell you what I thought uh, about ZZ Top. I saw ZZ Top a couple of years ago. I saw him playing at the Jazz Festival in Montreux. Right. And, um, and, and for an hour and a half, they were a really good uh, shuffle blues band. Apart from when they did um, Legs, Give Me Some Loving and... Um, uh, oh, Sharp Dressed Man. Uh, Sharp Dressed Man when they turned into a stadium band and then they just went back to being a really good blue shuffle band for every other track. And I don't know how how that happened. The sound actually changed. So they played legs and they they didn't sound like the same band that had played the previous song, if that makes any sense.
1: Maybe they had like some sequencing stuff going on or something. Yeah,
0: or they might have had some tapes or something, but it sounded different. So it was like three pieces of stadium rock but then the rest of it sounded like I would have expected ZZ Top to sound like.
2: I think that was the weird thing, though, wasn't it, when Eliminator came out, that they were, a you know, I'd always viewed them as a, a blues band. I'd got a mate who'd got an older brother that had given him LaGrange and, that you know, some of the early stuff, and we really liked that. And then yeah. Eliminator came out, and we were like, what's this pop band? You know, but, of course, it gave them the most success they'd ever had.
1: Well, it did. I actually watched, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but I, I watched a documentary on... Oh, the one on of, Netflix? All, yeah, all about this, probably, yeah. about, probably about six weeks ago. Because um, I've, try- I've, I've been in and out the studios post-lockdown trying to catch up recording this album I was supposed to be doing. And just to get inspired, I suppose, I just started like, watching loads of documentaries on you know, bands I like and all this sort of stuff. But I watched that, and it's really interesting to hear how and why they did all that. Kind of commercialization you know they essentially they're just a great blues band with a great groove and obviously they all just lock in but I suppose it was just adding this new dimension that it, I think if they just stayed as a blues band no none of us would know know them at all yeah Be- because it got them onto TV didn't it MTV yeah, yeah. so
0: oh and they were and it was the, it was the perfect point for MTV as it wasn't just it got them on tape he got them on MTV at the time when you actually wanted and and there was a huge commercial benefit for being on MTV well, yeah, that's yeah.
2: when it was music television, rather than, yeah. you know, what is it now? The new, the real Housewives of New Jersey or something seems to well, be on it now.
0: Well, the thing yeah. is, you think <laughs> about those videos that you know. So you think about Sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel, and you think about the Dice, the Money for Nothing video. And there's a few videos you think and think. Right, well, that was that 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 whole platform was 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 you know effectively evolved because of videos like that. And the CZ mm. Top videos were part of that whole thing.
2: Yeah, they were. I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, you know, we were too poor to actually have MTV. You used to have to go around to a friend's house to sit and watch it, <laughs> and uh, give them a like a what were they a VHS one eighties were they or something that you could get three hours on? Yeah. It was just like just record me MTV, and
0: I'll sit and watch it endlessly on repeat. You, you didn't put them in those video cases that looked like books, did you?
2: Yeah, everybody did. It was the yeah. it was the eighties. I don't know you... why we felt that that was far more attractive. Than a VHS cassette, but everybody did.
1: My my parents didn't buy a VHS; they bought a Betamax because apparently <laughs> it was it was it was one betterer, wasn't it? It, it, was, so, it was the it, superior. It, it, was it was the superior. Um, yes,
0: beast. And it was
1: a Sony one, and I think like even in the eighties, it were like four hundred and fifty quid. Or <laughs> it just, by today's standards, have, you know, been extortionate. But so so they bought a Betamax because apparently the guy in the shot says, "Oh, it's much better quality, you know. And then, of course. They released uh, like a handful of films or it's mostly like just a concert, you know, music concert stuff that my dad would get. And then, of course, nobody, everything came out on VHS. So, um, but yeah, but they were slightly smaller bookcase <laughs> covers. <laughs> oh. So we had to have two bookcases, one for VHS and one for Peter Max. <laughs> it, it, was,
0: it was about that time. So we got our first video, I think, or maybe some friends had one like this. But um, that had a remote control before With, remote controls were a thing. But it was, it was on a cable, connected, connected by yeah. wire. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So you could you could remotely turn the video on as long as you were within three feet of it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we had one <laughs> we, of those too. Just oh dear, we die great. We digre- Something for the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our <laughs> if our audience isn't already forty plus, it will be by the end of this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Oh, so you talked there about your album. Um, you've been desperately trying to finish yeah. an album.
1: Well, yeah, because my last album actually came out in 2016. And, you know, as an artist, you want to be putting something out new every, you know, at least every two or three years, ideally a bit sooner. But because I write all my own stuff, I can't just write. I can't just switch it on. So I have to kind of write when, I'm, when I've got something to say or I've got, you know, an idea. So I started writing in dribs and drabs and then me and the missus we 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 had a a baby and you know life took over and our little little he's like two and a half now so it got to four years i thought i really need to record a new album (laughs) so i i got i had plenty of stuff to write by this point and then of course the lockdown kicked in so by the time i actually got into the studio in july you know a couple of months ago i had like about 30 songs that i'd kind of built up over the last couple of years um, and we yeah we we've, we've, we started track I sort of whittled it down to about thirteen or fourteen songs and a couple of the songs in fact two or three of them which I've ended up putting on are ones that I actually wrote during the lockdown. Um, I've got a song called "Is This Really Happening Now," which is obviously all about the crazy situation we're all in. Another one called "World Is Falling." It's all really <laughs> depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the blues. I, 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 I I ended up with a, a couple of kind of really current songs, you know, lyrically, that everyone can relate to. And they were probably some of the strongest songs I'd got because I just wrote... Them. It wasn't where I, tr- I, I sat down with, I've got to write a song today. I just... I got the idea for it and I thought, I've got to go into my music room now. I have to write and record this now as a demo before I forget it. And they're always the best ones. The ones where... The songs that you write in an hour. Songs yeah. that where, you know, I keep chipping away at for a few weeks. You know, they might be all right, but the ones... It's always the songs where I mean I think was it Noel Gallagher wrote "Don't Look Back in Anger" in like twenty five minutes. I'm not yeah. saying I'm a Noel Gallagher, but <laughs> you know, like the songs that normally come together the quickest and normally the best ones because it's you're not thinking about it. It's just instinctive. You have got a melody, you got something to write about, you got you know whatever. Um, so yeah, so I started writing that in July, uh, went in for five or six days, did a lot of the main tracking for bass drums some guitars then i went back a few weeks ago which was the earliest they could get us back in So, the, a lot of the studios that since the lockdown they've been inundated with bands trying to catch up all the bands that should have been recording over the summer they couldn't get in suddenly but the studios, are, the phone's are ringing off the hook so trying to get back in um it was another couple of months so i've still got a few bits left to do on it but um but yeah it's coming together nicely
0: There's an interesting one of the things you said there, because it's not something I normally associate with um, blues as a um, as a genre, which right. is um, about the lyrics.
1: Well, okay, so all the, right, I am. I suppose I am known or. When you said, oh, well, what do you do? <laughs> what sort of music is it? I'm known, I'm, okay, so I'm, I'm a blues guitarist. I, like, I, I started playing guitar because I love blues, my dad's record collection. But as a songwriter, it goes way, way beyond that. So although my music, it's got a real bluesy underpinning and there's a few shuffles here and there and a couple of slow blues, whatever. They're not just three chord blues. It's not just straight shuffles. So there's also there's rock in there. There's a bit of Americana. Uh, there's all you know, I like I, I like Ryan Adams, um, LaMontagne and There's all sorts of other stuff in there that isn't blues, and it's basically a big melting pot. So as as a songwriter or artist, I wouldn't strictly call myself blues, but because as a guitarist, it's always got that bluesy foundation. It's mm-hmm. um, it's. I'll be honest with you, describing my music to someone who's never heard it, I find it really hard. I ne- I, I, I can never find the right. <laughs> It's hard because I just—it's just music to me. But I suppose but even, if, if, even, if you've not heard it, yeah, you need to yeah. know. Well, is it this or is it that? Uh, so it's hard to.
0: No, but it's also interesting that it was just what you said about the lyrics because um, you know uh, that appeared to be your starting point. That was that—that that was the inspiration. You had yeah. something to say. Yeah. Um, and often that isn't, you know, even a lot of the genres you have just talked about, often that isn't necessarily... Americana may be, may be the closest to the, to that with what you've just said. But it's not always, you know... People who've got something to say often just pick up an acoustic guitar and bang it out because yeah. it's the thing they want to say that's driving yeah. it, if that makes sense. Right. And I'm being hugely disingenuous to a whole group of people there. So I've, off- I've offended everybody this evening, which is fine, because I'm doing it equally. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but the point you know there is in, in, that's the bit that sort of su- surprised me a little but n- not right. in a bad way if that makes sense in, a, in that I'm I'm finding it interesting uh, It's
1: it's a really weird one because I play like the circuit that I play on when I'm doing these tours it's like a blues it's known as like a blues rock circuit but a lot of the promoters and I've had this said to me a, quite a lot of times by c- clubs I play all over Europe and you know around England that they have a regular blues rock audience and I mean, there's a place up in Derby that I do every year and they said that whenever you come and play that 90% of the audience, we never see them at any other gig and you, you attract a few of the regulars that like the blues, bluesy guitar playing or whatever but a lot of your audience, we never see them whereas a lot of the other bands on this circuit it's just, it's 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 a very similar audience that go and mm. see this band and that mm. band but it's almost like because the music that I do, it's it's a real mixture of stuff, mm. and that's not that, to say it's not got an identity, because it has, I suppose. But it's really hard to describe what it is. It's it's I, I will always find a way. I mean, even when I've been in the in the studio with my, my a friend of mine who's producing it, and he said said to me a few weeks ago when we were doing guitar, I said I oh, said they're sort of they're well crafted songs with you know interesting lyrics and good melodies, but he said there's always some cool guitar bits in there, but he said mm-hmm. it's not overdone. It's not just guitar playing for this. it's not just Whittle. It's not just, yeah. it's an, a song which is just a setup for the next guitar solo. He said, there's always a reason to have a guitar bit in there, but he said mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's the right balance. And yeah. And, and, and
0: Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a great place to be because I think if I think of the, the, I think of the bands that probably mean the most to me, a lot of them it's because the lyrical content is so, Strong, right? Um, you know, so like I've, I've become a big Richard Hawley fan. Uh, right. Richard Hawley's very, very lyrically, it's it's you know, he's got a lot to say, and it's very interesting what he's saying. And yes, yeah. there's some good guitar work on there, and it's wrapped around a fairly traditional kind of um, you know, sort of style of music, but but lyrically, it's interesting. But in the same way, mm. you know, I like Thea Gilmore, Thea Gilmore's very powerful lyrically, yeah, but but, but you know, and it's the same thing as you've just said. The songs in there that have great musicianship, but it's not about whittle or it's not about X, Y, and Z. It's it's about everything fitting together.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, mean, I love you know, I live for playing guitar, and I love you know, you love playing... a whittle
0: as much as the next man.
1: Um, I'm not a Widdler actually. I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm actually not. I'm probably. Yeah, you know, I, w- I certainly wouldn't describe myself as a whittleer. I'm kind of, yeah, like a bit kind of less is more sort of thing. Mm. But I, like I say, I love playing guitar, but for me. If I go out on tour and I'm, you know, doing these two hour shows or whatever, I want to put across to the audience like songs that have actually got melodies and hook lines and different moods that takes the audience on a bit of a journey. So every song is not just a massive onslaught of guitar. I mean, I, you know, I love guitarists because, you know, I am one, but <laughs> you know, um, I can't, no matter how good a guitarist is, if if I go and see a show where it's it's all about the guitar and there's And the materials, a bit lacking or whatever. I get bored no matter how good the guitar playing is. After I've seen four or five songs of incredible, impeccable guitar playing, if there's nothing else there, that I've, I've, I've kind of, I think when I've had my twenty quid's worth, I'll go home now. Mm. But I, I, I try and just, you know, my thing is I just try and give people something else as well, as well as some. You know, I remember like... being
0: absolutely blown away years ago with the first Jeff Healy album mm. because the songs were so good, right? And that was the bit I wasn't expecting because he'd yeah. actually been sold on the whole premise of being this, you know, Hendrix-esque blues guitarist who was blind, you <coughs> know, and and playing the guitar in this kind of this this kind of unique way. And what I didn't yeah. actually expect was actually the songs to all to be as strong as they were,
1: right. Yeah.
0: um you know uh and i think ultimately there's only so long impe- you know that kind of impeccable playing can keep anybody interested it sounds an awful thing to say but you know
1: it's... well no it's, it's not i mean you you know i like i like pink floyd because it's some you know great music but it's some great great guitar playing i like fleetwood mac you know uh like the rumors album's really cool um he has got some great guitar playing, but it's also got some great songs. Great songs. I was and
2: watching um, the, a BBC Four thing on the recording of Rumours, which I've seen like a million times before, but it was on recently. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously uh, currently they don't all talk to each other again. Um, and Lindsay Buckingham was in a, a studio and they were listening to sort of like um, Rumours and he was playing along on his guitar and then they'd isolated his track on right. it. And and I, I love rumours and I've heard it a thousand, hundred thousand times sort of thing, you know. Yeah. But actually when you listen to his isolated guitar track, it was really nasty and gnarly and quite aggressive. Yeah. And, but actually when you listen to the whole track, you don't you don't get that at all. He's he's a really phenomenal player.
1: He's actually one of my favourite players and you know, I name check him in quite a lot quite a few interviews that I do and some of the sorry, Lindsay Who? Because he's not, you know, he's, mm. he said oh, mm. I said, oh, Hendrix, Clapton, or... Yeah. He doesn't come up that often, but I think, yeah, he, incredible guitar player, but also, like, aware of the full spectrum, because I think he, obviously, a lot of the songwriting and some of the production he did as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, knows how to... It's psh, when he you know. did
0: that tour, when they did that, the I think it was called The Dance, and yeah. he did that live, uh, he did that solo version of Big Love, just just with that very...
1: Yeah. Because really of
0: the guitar. Really good, isn't it? It's just incredible. Yeah. Really good. But not, I mean, yes, because it's incredibly proficient, but also it was, I'd not heard
1: anything like that. The way he, I mean, he, he attacks the instrument in, mm. in, 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 a, in, a, in a quiet. But it's a great song as well, though. That's the thing. You, yeah. you, could, you could play it. You could literally just strum the song and sing it, sing it and it'd still be a great song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he goes beyond that, doesn't he? Definitely, he, he does something really quite, quite you know. And that was the point where it, you know, to your point because because I knew him in context of the band, but saw that and thought, wow, wow, he can he can really play. Yeah, he's got some moves. He's yeah. he's, he's got some chops. <laughs> uh, mm, breaking
2: news, the, Lindsay Buckingham's a good guitarist. Yes, possibly
0: yes, he's a quite good. A quite good. 10. <laughs> possibly possibly a five, maybe a five and a half.
1: <laughs> you, should I, can I can I just tell you where that whole like. Slightly underselling yourself, (laughs) it comes from (laughs) because when I, when I, so I've been told, there might be some
0: people who think you are underselling yourself, (laughs) so so just be
1: careful. I don't know. Well, the thing is, when I, I mean, I started playing gigs when I was 13, and then I start, I did my first German gig when I was like, I don't know, 21 or something, and I could not believe how the audiences in Germany responded in comparison to the UK. Now, the English, you know, UK english people are known as being reserved polite don't get excited like you go out and play a gig in germany and you walk out on stage and before you even play a note they're going absolutely mental ah yeah, you're playing the blues ah fantastic (laughs) and they're really up for it before you say i've not even plugged in mate you know and you go into the first song and they're with you and it makes you feel so good and you you come you know say i've done a two or three week tour out in Germany, Switzerland, wherever it might be. And you kind of get used to it. You kind of get used to this. Oh yeah. It's not that it's it's easy. It makes it easy. But then you come back to the UK and you know, the the band's well-oiled and you know, every the set's well-rehearsed. And you walk out on stage and you do, you play the first couple of songs and you think, yeah, this is cool. And then you get this kind of polite, oh, it's very good. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's this kind of lukewarm, you have to, you have to work the audience. And then, at the end of the night, you know, if you have got some CDs to flog or whatever, you'll get people come and go, Yes, that was, uh, yes, that, was uh, that was really that was really quite good. Mm, not bad at all. And and but that from an English person, that's a massive compliment. Yeah. <laughs> so when, it's it's one thing I sometimes do when I'm in Germany. I tell this story of the English politeness. that and they love it. They they love all that stuff to hear that, you know, they're really up for it. And English people, if something is absolutely incredible, it's like, hmm, not bad at all, well, not totally bad. <laughs> yeah, not totally good. Yeah, Listen, good, you e- want, good, effort. <laughs> you
0: you want to be, you want to be thankful because you could be at Hucknell Working Men's with somebody yeah. shouting out to you, "Players one that we know." I've so... probably played
1: there at some point in my time.
0: <laughs> so 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 faced with the call of players, players one that we know, yeah. I always remember. Being, I went to university, the first year at university I saw right. A huge, I'm a huge fan of Delamitri, I thought they're a great band and, and we got about they've been playing for about 45 minutes, 50 minutes and somebody shouted out, and it's first album and somebody shouted out right, that's it, you've done long enough, play as you hit and I thought, grief <laughs> that's a British audience for you, isn't it play as you hit play yeah. as you hit
1: Yeah, plays the stuff we came to <laughs> hear <laughs> Because yeah. at that point they had
0: actually only got one hit, you know. Go on, oh, we've yeah. we've heard enough. Play as you hit.
2: Do you know what wow. I? I really I don't know if you've ever Have you ever played the Robin in Bilston.
1: Yeah, about twenty times. Yeah, I, uh, do, yeah. do they
2: do they do that bit? And it's my favourite bit when you go and watch a band there is that someone wanders on stage in between the two acts and says the hot pork rolls are available <laughs> in the other bar,
0: and like <laughs> half the venue <laughs> empties. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, in a brummie accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen,
0: when I was gigging, the best thing I ever did was end five minutes early so they could have the bingo. That's 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 the that's the literally the closest I've ever felt to an audience announcing I, I, we yeah. were ending five minutes early for the bingo.
1: I've actually I used to play in a, a band, a function band that we used to play around the working men's clubs when I was about fifteen or sixteen, completely legal, and they actually. Because it was time for bingo, and we were supposed to finish at eight thirty, prompt or nine thirty, prompt. At nine thirty-two, we we're still in the middle of the song. They actually they actually told mm. us to stop playing in the middle of the song, because <laughs> it was eyes down for Full House. <laughs> oh, oh, we've all been <laughs> and, there. We've and we kind of just, we kind of just like, you're in the middle of a song. We kinda, the drummer just slowed down. <laughs> we like, like, we kind of just faded ourselves out. But no one in the audience batted an eye. They were all like. Right, bingo, eight, eight, eight and four. <laughs> we kind of stood there like cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> so we just went into the dressing room. Who's got me dabber?
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. We've, we've we've all we've all been in that situation. Yeah, the the, the all... difference is, uh, and me and you never actually moved on from that level no. of gigging. <laughs> no, no, no th- Those are the only memories I have yeah. uh, of gigging. Really doing, yeah, Finish, finishing early for the bingo. But, uh, so when? How far on is the album? When? When are we?
1: Uh... Well, how far on is the album? So I've got. Uh, I've still got to sing it all. I've. Uh, we we need to add keyboards and some other overdubby bits. Might get some violin on one of the songs. I wrote a couple of film. Well, I say film tracks. I don't know if e- either of you saw a, a, a series called Killing Eve. Yeah, yes, oh yeah, loved this it. Year. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Well, I yeah. got really into it and I thought the two lead characters were just brilliant and I'm quite into film music so at some point during my writing I started messing around with just yeah sort of like soundtrack type music and I came up with some stuff which is definitely not blues but I wrote a couple of songs um, which, have ended, which have actually ended up going on the record at the moment they're called Eve 1 and Eve 2 because I got names from you, um, but they're basically they're based lyrically. They're based on on that TV series, and they might have a bit of you know orchestral strings on there, which we need to add at some point. So, oh, okay. so the album to answer your question, it's not going to be out till next year, mm. um, because even if it was ready now, I probably wouldn't release it now because I just think it'd just get lost in the ether. You know, I know a yeah. few people have released stuff over the last few months but when no one's touring we just released something online it's very much here today it's forgotten about yeah. tomorrow mm-hmm. so until I can actually go out and tour to what I would call a sizeable audience and not a quarter of what I would normally play to mm-hmm. then I'll release it um, so it's pro- probably some point next year hopefully
2: well maybe you can bring it to the guitar show and you know i could
1: yeah i could re- you could cut the red tape couldn't you you could yeah, say. absolutely <laughs> i really I, I actually well i say i uh chris from rift and myself we actually released my signature amplifier at your show two years ago yeah yeah we, we did how, yeah. how did that come about well i <laughs> it was chris's idea was totally chris's idea he's um we met about I mean, I got to know Chris about six six years ago or so. Six, seven years ago. And we got chatting and he realised that I'm quite into my sound and quite particular about what I use for it. And there's a couple of old amps I've got which sound really great. And whenever I, I do these guitar weekends, like these guitar workshops, a bit it's a bit like guitar break, that sort of thing. Mm. And I always have my gear there, and all of the guys that come, they can just plug into my amps, and the most common response is they'll plug into one of my old amps, and go, my God, where can I get one of these? Um, but the amp I had was kind of modified and all this sort of thing. So Chris said, well, you've obviously got your amps set up in such a way that people like it, and it sounds good, so why don't we try and build something that encapsulates all of your sound basically an amp that gives you your sound all of your favorite amps in one box so we just set about building and designing something so we used a couple of my i've got a couple of old Marshalls, old fenders which i've kind of sourced and found over many years of just trying and to find the right ones and we just use those as the benchmark well these are the ones that sound good let's try and get one amp that does all of that stuff that people can buy and is available and yeah, because I was on your website so looking at your
2: good. gear list. Yeah. And the, the the amp list is endless, isn't it? It just keeps going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to all this stuff. I just... I suppose, it, as a guitarist, you you listen to all these records and they were all made, all those records were made like Hendrix. It was all Marshalls, wasn't it? So, mm. all this, you know, you think of the stuff that's around today, the amount of pedals and technology that's around... None of that was around in the 60s and 70s, but all of the guitar sounds I like are from the 60s and 70s. So I basically made a point of going to find and buy all of the amps that all my favourite players would have used. Mm. Um, and I just built up a bit of a collection. So, um, so yeah, well, when, we were, when me and Chris were working on the amp, we, you know, we had all these amps around us and we'd plug in and say, well... I like the way that one compresses, and I like the reverb on that one. That one's got a really nice mid-range. It's just just stuff like proper geeky yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, and Chris was patient enough, <laughs> although I don't think he quite realised what he was getting into until we started. He realised, comp- I am am really fussy. Really f- And, like, if something's not... If it's if it's 98.5% there, I'm not happy. It's got to be just right. Yeah,
2: it's not a 5.5 out of 10 kind of amp. It's...
1: <laughs> it's no, even though it's a five and a half out of ten guitarist playing, yeah. got, <laughs> you know, but yeah, and we just you know, we just kept going at it and kept so he'd build a prototype, I'd take it on the road for a couple of months, and I'd I mean, I heard him in an interview, he says, Yeah, he said it'd be about. Half past eleven at night, I so said I'd be just about to go to bed, and Ainsley, I'd pick my phone would be ringing. It's Ainsley's at it a gig in Germany, saying the mid range needs it needs a bit, a bit, bit, more high mids, and, and it's compressing in the wrong way. I'd, I can't remember doing that, but apparently that's what I was doing when I was on these tours. I would just whatever time of day it was, if I had something, if I'd had an experience with the amp, oh the reverb was a bit too splashy today. I'd phone him and tell him. <laughs> <laughs> so we kept tweaking it, and then we got to the point where. We were happy, and it's now my main amp when I go out. And we released it at your show a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, there you I go. Think you came back this year and did, did Purple Rain with Mick.
1: Oh yeah, Mick, Mick Taylor. Yeah, got Mick up. Mick's a great player. Known Mick a few years. And he is he's, a great
2: player, isn't
1: he? A... He's he's. Uh, I mean, he's he. You know, obviously anybody that's seen him on that pedal show, he's a proper geek. Um, Probably not that much more than me, to be honest. Uh, so we kind of click on that level. Uh, but in a, he's a great, great player, really good blues player. So it was good to get him up and have the crack, you know.
2: Cool. Well, uh, gentlemen, I've got to, um, I've got to go. I've got to <sighs> depart. Mm. But I think we've been talking for about an hour, haven't we? We have,
0: we have. Um, you know, we've, we've, yeah. And it's actually, it has felt, and I, I have said this before, but it's literally felt like no time at all. Yeah, um, not at
2: all so um, um, you know thank you a... thank you Ainsley for doing it thank you for stepping in at the very last minute um, we will roundly pleasure. take the piss out of Chris when we get him on in a week or so's time and his broadband is back on <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been very much appreciated thank you very much
1: yeah my pleasure cool
0: right well uh, <clears throat> I guess Jace, this is it we can't do any kind of extended you know wrap up or anything can we because you've got to take your You've got
2: taxi duties, haven't you? I've got taxi, family taxi duties to uh, deliver. Um, yeah, I'm
0: currently a minute late, so
2: I need to go. I'm afraid.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for uh, continued support for everybody. Obviously, uh, keep liking us, keep subscribing, keep telling all your friends, and we will be back to. Well, we'll be back with you soon, and I'm assuming we'll be speaking to Chris from Rift as the next guest. Yes, we will. (laughs) Indeed. In which case, take care, everybody. We will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.